Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening to you. My name is Susie, and welcome or welcome back to the Life Abundant Podcast. I am so excited and so thankful that you're here. I had the best time the last few weeks um, sitting down with Grace and talking about party culture and doing a Q&A with her. Um, I love, obviously, having guests on the podcast because it's really fun and nice to banter with someone. And as Grace and I mentioned in the Q&A podcast, we think that one another is really funny and we think that we make each other funnier. So hopefully you got a good laugh and I'm looking forward to having her back as well as hopefully some other guests um, in the future. But today I just kind of have something weighing on my heart, something that I feel like God's really been teaching me. And I really just want to talk about it, not only because, you know, I'm a verbal processor and it helps me to kind of talk out the things that I've been feeling or things that I've been receiving, but I hope that this encourages you in many ways because, I mean, obviously the majority of you all listening are young women and, you know, we're emotional beings and we often follow our feelings and sometimes our feelings get really deeply hurt and that has large implications on our life and also implications on how we view our relationship with God. And I feel like that's been something I've been working through a lot these last couple of weeks. And so rather than dwell on like hurtful things that have happened to me, my goal today is to just encourage you in your identity in Christ and your identity as a child of God. And I just want to kind of sit and chat about (laughs) the reality of that um, and how we can remember that even when, you know, we're clouded by our personal human experience. And so this all kind of started a few weeks ago um, and I was at my church and listening to a sermon by, well, from one of our pastors and he mentioned how we often project our human experience onto the face of God and we project our feelings, our rashness, our hurt, our pain, other people in our life and other relationships that we have onto our relationship with God. And sometimes the Lord does use other people to show his grace and his goodness, but sometimes the enemy uses people to make us believe something about God that's not true. And if we go back to the book of Genesis, what the serpent said to Eve the way that he kind of got her to turn on the Lord was by saying, you can't trust this guy. Like he's lying to you. He's saying that you can't eat this fruit, but really it's good. And so the root of a lot of our sin and the root of our rejection of God is that we don't trust him. Like, I don't think that the problem in our society today is people not acknowledging God is real. I just think that there's just too much evidence that he is. But I think that what we often question is that, is God good? And our childhoods and our relationships and our lives really, you know, push us to have that question. So I was thinking about this and praying about this and just asking God, you know, what am I projecting onto you? Like, what have I come to believe in my life that isn't true and that affects who I believe you are? And... I was led to a few different moments in my life and there's one comment that somebody made about me almost two years ago now and when I first heard it I knew that it shattered something in me but like we often do rather than inviting Jesus to come in and help me 
pick up those pieces and restore what was broken, I brushed it under the rug. And I wanted to forget that it happened. I wanted to write it off. I wanted to just push it down. And I noticed that that comment confirmed what I already believed to be true. And for me, the thing that I believed about myself was that I will never be seen as more than my failures or my mistakes or where I went wrong or my sin. And if I look back on my life, I can see myself starting to believe that from a young age. And then this comment that somebody said really kind of pushed me over the edge and brought me to a place where I thought that that's true. You know, I will never be seen as more than my flaws. And so I don't know what that is for you. I don't know if this moment was something said to you by a friend, a family member, a brother, a sister, a parent, um, even a little kid that you're babysitting, you know, or a teacher or a coach. And maybe that was a sentence. Maybe it was an action. Maybe it was the failure to show up. But just take a moment and like pause this podcast and just think about what is coming up for you right now? What is something that somebody said to you that really affected you and that you've thought about a lot and that, you know, really has been with you since that moment and you knew that it wasn't okay, but you kind of believed it. So it's affected you and it's affected your life. Just take a moment and kind of observe what's coming up for you in your emotions right now. So the first step from kind of healing from this wound is acknowledging that it exists, you know, and I just think of a mall directory with that star that says you are here. And it's so important that we first acknowledge where we are before we can move forward. And that's a huge step. And that's really hard. And it's a lot easier to just distract ourselves and to push down those emotions. But there's so much freedom in just acknowledging that that was wrong and that that's affected you. So step one, acknowledge the wound. So once you acknowledge what that was, the next step would be identifying what that made you believe. So for example, let's say that your parents growing up never came to one of your soccer games and all of your friends' parents did. So that's what it was. And what it made you believe was that you're not worthy to be shown up for, or you're not as important, you're not as loved, you're not as valued. Or let's say a little kid at the public pool told you that you looked fat in like your swimsuit or something. Because honestly, if I'm being honest, like some of the like harshest things that have ever been said to me were by somebody's like younger brother or something like that, or by like a seven-year-old kid. (laughs) And I feel like everyone can kind of identify with that. But let's say that happened to you. And so what you believe about yourself is that you stand out because you're ugly or you know, you need to lose weight or you will never have a perfect body. You're always going to be seen as ugly and disgusting. And so again, like this is deep and this hurts and this brings up a lot of unwanted emotions, but I just encourage you to embrace that and to take time and just kind of dwell um, with the Lord in what something has made you feel about yourself and just write it down. Um, Be honest Um, A lot of times I notice myself journaling and I'm kind of 
I'm not like lying to myself, but I'm like exaggerating, you know, the point of my life that I'm having a good time when really I'm not because, you know, just for prideful reasons. And I think that it's really helped me in just being honest with myself and saying, you know what, like I actually am not having a good time right now or actually this actually did really have a deep impact on me and really made me believe this about myself. Don't be afraid of that, you know? that's between you and the Lord like and you can confess that to other people and trust that you won't be judged because we've all been there you know this is again part of the human experience and we've all been hurt and all have wounds so don't be afraid of them but acknowledge what they are and what they've made you believe and the next part is my favorite which is taking what you believe and replacing those lies with truth from the word of God So my Bible has a topical index in the back. So for example, it'll have the topic of forgiveness and then give a few different verses or passages that talks about forgiveness. And so, you know, there's a specific one in my Bible about identity or eating disorders or um, faithfulness or things like that. And so that's one resource I go to to find more topical verses. But there have been so many times where I've just done like a Google search of like, what does the Bible say about body image? Or what does the Bible say about being like God is your father, you know? So turn to a resource, turn to the word, um, turn to a book of the Bible and just go through. And this doesn't have to be all in one sitting. Like this can be something that you're praying through and journaling about for weeks or months or even years at a time of replacing those lies with the truth. So for me, that looked like, you know, I uncovered what the statement was about me. And one of the things that I pulled out that I believed because of that statement was, like I said earlier, I will only be seen for the flaws that I have. And so I can go to the book of Romans and see Romans 5.8 that says, While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So the truth is, is yes, I do have flaws. And more than any other person on this earth sees my flaws, God sees the depth of my sin, of my mistakes. He sees every single thing, more than I can even see. And while I was still a sinner, Christ died for me. And so that shows me that I am not defined by the things that I've done but I am defined by what was done for me on the cross by Jesus. And so, yes, I'm sinful. I have done wrong. I've hurt people. But that is not the most important thing about me. The most important thing about me is that in spite of all of that, Jesus said, I love you and I will take on this punishment for you. And in me, you like your old self will be nailed on the cross with me and the new will come and I will live in you. And so for you, you know, you might start off by saying, you know, my dad was absent in my life. That made me feel like fathers aren't dependable, that they aren't present, that they aren't there. But God's word tells me that he is my father and that he will never leave me or forsake me. And so you can replace that lie of that fathers are not available with the truth that your father in heaven is always available to you, that he came down to make a way for you to be able to speak with him, to pray with him, to call on him at any time you want. He is always available to you. Or maybe you were cheated on and that's what happened to you and that made you believe that people don't keep their promises or that you can't trust anyone or that 
you're not worthy of being faithful to. And you can turn to the word of God and say, wow, like Israel turned their back on the Lord time and time again, and he remained faithful to them, and he remains faithful to me. What God did for another, like he will do again toward me. And wow, like the word says that the Lord is faithful and just in keeping his promises. Like while I, you know, can't rely on this person to keeping their promise, I can trust that God is faithful and that he will always, always, always keep his promises to me. And he fulfilled every promise when he sent Jesus. I love how this all goes back to Jesus because it's true. Like he is the true fulfillment and our, our living hope, you know. And okay, so let's say that something was done to you sexually or you chose to do something sexually that you now regret. And that has made you believe that you are vile, you are disgusting, that no one can be trusted, that... There is evil in this world that you don't know what to do with. And what the word of God says is that you have been made clean. That you are washed white as snow by the blood of the lamb. That what was taken from you or what was done to you was not okay. And that God is just. And he will restore what was broken. And so whatever it is for you, I just pray that you counteract what you believe about yourself with the truth of God and just think of the freedom when you know that the truth has your back and that the truth counts you as worthy and loved and valued and so the next step is now that I know it is true what do I do with that thing that was said about me and the thing that was done to me or the thing that was working against me And as hard as it is, the answer is forgiveness. And recently I felt very convicted by Matthew chapter 18. So I'm going to pull that up. So I'm in the book of Matthew chapter 18 and Jesus is telling this parable because Peter comes up to Jesus and says, God, like, how many times should I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Like, you know, seven times, like, two strikes are out, like, or three strikes are out, or, you know, third time's charm, five is the one with the hairy chest. (laughs) Um, So he's basically like, so what's, what's the vibe on that? And then Jesus answers him in verse 22, I tell you not seven times, but 77 times, or some versions say 70 times 7. And so then he tells this parable, which is basically like a metaphor for the message that he is trying to get across to Peter, the rest of the disciples, and ultimately now to us. And so he's telling this story about um, a king and his servants. And so there's this king, and a man in the kingdom owes him 10,000 bags of gold. And He brings the man in and is like, hey, I loaned you this. I really need my payment back. And the man isn't able to pay. And so the king says, I'm sorry, man. Like, I've I've given you, you know, time to pay this back. But since you can't do it, I'm going to have to tell you that you and your wife and your kids are going to have to be sold to repay this debt. And the man falls on his knees before the king and says, be patient with me. I will pay back everything. And so the king, it says, took pity on him or had compassion toward him and canceled the debt and let him go. So 10,000 bags of gold, he said, you know what? I'll forgive you your debt. You don't owe me anything anymore. 
So then the servant is like word twerking all around. And verse 28, he goes out and he finds one of the fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. So, you know, he owed the king, let's say like a hundred thousand dollars. And he sees this other servant that owes him a hundred dollars. So he grabs his other servant and begins to have him in like a literal chokehold and says, pay back what you owe me. And his fellow servant falls down on his knees and begs him, be patient with me and I will pay it back. Exactly what the man said to the king. But he refused and instead um, he had the man who owed him thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. So other people in the town saw, heard about what happened and they told the king, you know, what went down. So the king called the man in and said, you wicked servant, I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? And then um, Jesus says, this is how my heavenly father will treat of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. So basically what this is saying is, you know, we reject God every single day. We sin against him every hour. You know, even when we think that we're doing good, a lot of times we're serving our own pride, which is sin. And, you know, we constantly are going against him, whether we're intending to or not. And so in reality, we've sinned against God a billion times more than somebody sinned against us. So who are we to, you know, turn to somebody else and say, you know, what you've done is unforgivable. And that takes a lot of humility to come into terms with, but it's true. But what this passage ultimately teaches about forgiveness is kind of the definition of forgiveness, which honestly, if you think about it, is a bit hard to define. And I think a lot of people associate forgiveness with forgetting or pretending that it didn't happen. But we see in the text that that's not what forgiveness is. What forgiveness is, is releasing the demand for payback and trusting that God is the ultimate judge. And so that doesn't mean you know, forgetting what hurt that you have from your parents or forgetting what that person did to you or forgetting what that person said to you. But it's saying, you know what, this was done to me and this is the effect that it had on me, but I can release that to the hands of God. I don't have to hold this person accountable. I don't have to be the judge because that's never a role we were meant to have. And that's never a pressure that was ever meant to be put on us. And therefore, forgiveness is freedom. Because when you're constantly demanding something from someone, that takes a lot out of you. That puts a lot more pressure on you than it does on the other person. So forgiveness is a prison, you know? The other man was literally put into jail at the end of the story. And that's where unforgiveness leads us to, is a jail, is a prison cell. And so, you know, just as how Jesus' death on the cross paid for your sin, it paid for their sin too. And so when you hold on forgiveness or when you question that truth, you're almost questioning whether or not Jesus' death was big enough. And the answer is, is that it was. And so forgiveness is painful. It requires a lot of working through, a lot of processing. And it's difficult when we see the example of Jesus who forgives so instantly and forgives so beautifully and wonderfully, but we're not Jesus. And so it's not the same for us, but it's just inviting him into our hearts and asking the Holy Spirit, you know, for his help and for his transformation in us to help us forgive 
us our sins. The Lord's Prayer, you know, says, um, oh man, I'm really digging deep into my seventh grade confirmation right now. Um, but says, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who've sinned against us. And, you know, Jesus asks that we pray the Lord's Prayer every day. When people ask how we're supposed to pray, that's what he says. And that's something that we need to constantly choose to do daily. So I know that I've been asking God a lot recently of like, who do I hold unforgiveness to? And will you help me, you know, understand what they did, what that meant for me, and how I can reconcile that with your work in my life? And that's hard and that's painful and it's something that we want to avoid. But the truth is, is that unforgiveness infects every other relationship that we have, every other thought about thought that we have until it's you know really taken out at the root I just think of you know like mold and how it can start off as one tiny little speck but eventually it can contaminate you know a whole you know refrigerator (laughs) or like a whole um bit of apples or something like that and that's what unforgiveness is it might start small but it infects and it spreads quickly and it affects every other thing that we carry with us and every other, like I said, relationship that we have and thing that we do. So it's important to get it out at the root before it spreads. And that, again, is a decision and virtue that we have to do daily. So I'm not speaking on this as an expert, literally at all. Um, You know, I think that one of my greatest weaknesses just in my character and personality in general is resentment. And so this is something that I have to do all the time. And I think that I have a big breakthrough in forgiving somebody. And then a few days later, I'm, I see like a photo of them. and I'm like pissed off, you know. So nobody's perfect at this. And we're not going to be perfect at it ever. But again, it's a virtue. And it's something that we can get better at with practice. And something that we can, you know, grow close in our relationship with God in. And when we recognize like how difficult it is to forgive people that have hurt us, how much more are we able to understand the sovereignty and the majesty of God who forgives us so willingly and so instantly? So may you not be defined by your pain or your past or what was done for you, to you or what that made you believe about yourself, but may you be defined by the fact that you have been redeemed, that you are a chosen child of God, and that Any hurtful thing that has ever been said to you can be immediately replaced by the word of God who has sovereign majesty and word of what he speaks over you. And so I just pray that you recognize and know your value in that. And while it's a painful process to pick out the things that have caused you hurt or distance in your relationship with God, it is going to be so fruitful in your life and your future spouse and your future children and your future friends, your future coworkers will appreciate the fact that you are fully content and complete in yourself because you are forgiven and are able to forgive and you don't have to hold that hostility toward anybody else in your life. So I challenge you to take some time this week to just kind of sit in silence and think about who you might be holding unforgiveness to. This is definitely something that I'm going to be doing as well. And let me know how it's going. I created an email address for this podcast called lifeabundantpod at gmail.com. So I would love to hear from you and just how the Lord's working in your life. And I, yeah, just want to know your story and how things are going. So last week I did, like was saying, I don't know how to end the podcast and grace that I could just say literally bye and stop it. 
I feel like that's not really the vibe for the conversation that we just had. So maybe my new thing is going to be saying Godspeed because I love that song by Frank Ocean and nobody says it anymore and I want to bring it back. So stay tuned for next Friday for a new episode and Godspeed you guys. Bye.